if you spend your whole life trying to live a life that isn't yours, you're filling up spaces in your life with not only what you don't want, but something that's meant for someone else. Welcome back to Let It Out. I'm Katie Dalebout, your host. This week, I spoke with energy healer Jessica Lida. She's someone that my friend Camilla introduced me to, and I've worked with one-on-one twice, and I loved both of my sessions with her so much that I wanted to share her with all of you and learn more about how she got into doing the work that she does. The way that she works with people is really unique, and we talk about that in this episode. She uses breath work, chakra clearing, muscle testing, body charts, and even more to connect people with their bodies and their inner truth. It's really, really cool what she does. It's hard to articulate, but she explains it really well in this episode. Jessica has facilitated healing sessions with over 300 different people from celebrities to therapists to shamans to woo-woo first-timers and me. And I talk about my experience working with her. She helps you figure out some trapped emotions and experiences and imbalances and how to release those from your body and gain back clarity and help you to get back into alignment. It's a little bit challenging to explain quickly, but we get into it more in this episode. I loved this conversation and getting to hear more about her and how she came to do the work that she does. Like I said, I share my experience of working with her and her perspective on comfort, on energetics of depression and anxiety, social media, romantic relationships, your soul's purpose, healing, family change. We get into all of it. I loved this conversation. I really think her work is important and tremendous and has helped me a lot. So here is my conversation with energy healer, Jessica Lida. Jessica, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. I said this to you before we started recording, but your work has been so meaningful to me and I'm just really excited to get to know you more. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so excited to be on here with you. And this is just such a container and platform. So I'm excited to see what happens, what comes. That's so nice. Um, Well, okay, let's start like in the present, in the day. What have you been learning, contemplating recently? Recently? Well, I mean, the thing that came up today, today, that's been really fresh is I've been thinking about this idea of comfort and kind of realizing that I don't take the time to give myself comfort unless I'm preparing for something uncomfortable to happen. So just like taking the day to give myself comfort every single day and not just making it a special one-time thing. Oh, wow. 
That's so interesting. I, I mean, me too. I've never articulated it that way before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone's like, well, also just growing up when you want to achieve, 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 it's like comfort isn't a good spot to be. It's like, you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough, but it can be really supportive to your hard work if you actually give it to yourself on the daily. So I'm trying to practice that. Not the best at it, but working on it. What comforts you in that? <laughs> Chocolate, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, it's amazing. What else? I think just nature as well. I find that my week is infinitely better the more I'm outside. And also just like time for me and not having to do anything or to perform uh, mm. is really nice just like rest and ask what my body needs and give it whatever that is that day. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's like, it's different every day. It's, and that's, it, it takes presence and slowing down for me to even know what that is. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, you can have your routine, but I've learned it's really important for me to bake in time to be spontaneous and respond spontaneously to what my body needs because yeah some days i might have more energy and other days i might not so i do it with my workouts too where i'll have a whole list of things that i like to do in the week and so then i just say okay what feels good to my body to do today instead of being like mondays are my run days or this or that instead of trying to force my body into something it doesn't want to do <laughs> Because it's not going to end well. I think the thing that's helped me the most in this regard is learning about my human design, actually. Oh, yeah. What's your um, human design? I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. Yeah. Which is all about like being spontaneous and responding to the energy of the moment. And my whole life growing up, I was just trying to force myself to be consistent because that's what my parents were. That seemed just that's what safety was, but it never actually brought me joy. So actually, when I was doing it physically with my body, I would just work my body really, really, really hard. And it's almost like if I had pain, it was better because I thought I was growing. And I ended up getting a really bad back injury that lasted for like a year and a half. And I couldn't even walk <laughs> on the sidewalk. I couldn't do anything. It was like really a time of learning to slow down yeah. and listen to my body. We get so used to that exact piece of ignoring our bodies and ourselves. And I mean, that's been the case for me in a myriad of ways, you know, like that's what, you know, from like on a day-to-day -day level of like, oh, my foot's asleep and let me just send two more emails because my mind mm -hmm. is focused or, you know, having an eating disorder is like getting really good at ignoring your body, right? Yeah. As a way to like control and, you know, fit into a standard of beauty or to, for so many reasons, right? To control, to not have to feel, to not like we don't want to be in our bodies when we don't feel yeah. like we like them, right? And I think for me, it's been like tuning out and not wanting to feel. And so we do all of these things to ignore our bodies, essentially. Yes, so true. And I think our bodies have a really good way of fighting back against that. I mean, everyone always thinks that your intuition comes to you in a whisper and you have to get quiet enough to hear it. <laughs> I think it sometimes it just slaps you in the face really hard. And I think your body will just 
try and tell you louder and louder and louder until it's screaming. And that's, that's when the pain comes because it's like, okay, she's not going to listen to me any other way. I'm going to make her hurt. And that's going to make her stop. Um, I feel like depression is actually also another big way that that happens. Um, and no one ever wants to see the silver lining of depression, but what it's doing is it's, it's making you not want to get out of bed. You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't even want to move. It's like bringing you back a hundred percent to yourself. So you have to sit in the uncomfortable and be with it. And I think that's what everyone gets the misconceptions about healing is that, oh, please just take this away from me. Just release it. Just let it go. But healing and fixing aren't really the same thing. Healing requires you to like sit in the pain all the way and feel it all the way through to get to the other side. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I That perspective on depression, that feels so correct for me. It's like, you know, we don't want to feel the feelings we don't want to feel. So we like create this whole narrative around sitting in that. And then eventually whenever I shift out of depression, it's like, it's this, I'm only speaking to my experience of it. I know it's like nuanced to talk about mental health, but my experience of depression has just been like, something's lifted. Like I don't, it almost feels like a choice that I made that I guess I'll I'll speak to like a recent time where I felt it, which was I had this injury to my hands, this cactus situation that I think I've talked to about on here before. And then I couldn't use my hands and I was really sad and it, you know, it was just this whole thing. And eventually my hands healed all on their own. It was fine. And my, what, what I was having trouble pivoting from was waking up every day, feeling the physical sensation in my hands and not wanting to like do the day, not wanting to like feel the frustration and the sadness and like feeling bummed about having this physical situation. But then eventually one day I was like, okay, you either have to do the day or not, but this in between of not wanting to and being half in it is making you feel worse. So <laughs> you have to try and something shifted. So was that me, you know, eventually I'd felt enough and then things shift. Is that kind of, am I articulating what you're describing? It could be. I mean, for everyone, it's different. Um, at the time and depending on what happened and what you're feeling, but (laughs) here's, here's the thing. So if you try and like hack depression with this, it's not going to work. If you're like, okay, I'm depressed. If I just feel these feelings, they'll go away. (laughs) That's not going to work. But I think for you in that moment, what changed everything was you deciding. So instead of just being like, okay, all of these things have happened to me and like, almost like the victim mentality or all these things are happening to me. I don't feel good. And because of that, I don't want to start the day. It was you saying, no, I'm going to decide how I want this day to go. And I'm going to go get that. So it gets to a point almost where you have to hit that just like stagnant rock bottom to decide to stand up and walk out. But it's really hard to do that when things are still happening and things are still falling on top of you. So there's many different phases of it. And one of them may just be like, things are still falling. The sky is still falling and you haven't hit that ground yet. Um, And then once you hit the ground, you stay there, you rest up. And when it's time to decide, 
that's where you notice your strength and it reminds you of your strength to get up and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, I'm curious then, like the way you described depression, what is then anxiety? Okay. So anxiety is a little different. So anxiety is actually a lot of excess energy. Sometimes it's referred to as like excess creativity because you're creating all these future scenarios, right? Like what if this happens or this happens or this happens? And it's just your body trying or your subconscious trying to protect you from any possible scenario so that you're prepared for anything. So what you can do when the anxiety comes up is instead of just spiraling (laughs) downwards or upwards into the worry, you can actually channel that excess creativity. And you can say, it's again with the deciding, okay, what what do I want? How do I want this to turn out? And put your energy towards that. Or, okay, I thought of all the worst case scenarios. What about the best case scenarios? Mm. Uh, So it's seeing both sides and it's harnessing that energy to kind of decide what you want moving forward. That's very comforting. (laughs) Like that's such a more comforting version of that intensity around an emotion. Yeah. And I mean, you have to feel both sides. So a lot of times what I do when anxiety comes up for me is there's a lot of fear there. So it's important to get it out of your body because otherwise it's just spiraling around and it's like a whirlpool you can't get out of. So what I do is I just take a pen and paper and I just write out every single one of my fears, even if they seem tiny or silly or ridiculous. I just write them out and I leave space under each one. And then I just go one by one and I say, I address it. I say, okay, let me say either why this fear isn't rational or what I would do if this did happen. So that way you're still preparing yourself. And once you've done all that and released that fear, then you can go to that side of how do I want this to go? A lot of times when I have like, I'm nervous about, oh, package with someone or a retreat, or I have something big coming up, I will write out, okay, this is how it went. It was amazing. Everyone received the healing that they needed. They know themselves more. They were able to take the healing into their own hands. And I just write out exactly how I want it to go as if it's already happened. And then I can go into that experience knowing what I want. And you're able to get your subconscious on board to take the little actions that get you what you want. Mm, That's so freeing. Yes. (laughs) And it calms your mind down a lot as a, you know, serial overthinker myself. Yeah. 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 Same. You know, what's interesting. I find that I vacillate between kind of like a low level anxiety or a depression that's on different levels of intensity on each of them. And then there's this other third thing that I'm feeling today that I'm curious if you've ever experienced. It's hard to even describe where it's just, it's almost as if it's a tinge of each of those. And I often feel this way around my cycle, like around my period where it's this almost apathy where I have so much fatigue that I feel just kind of, I'm so tired and everything 
I feel like I don't even have the energy to care to be anxious. And I don't even have the like energy to go to the depths of like sadness of depression that I'm just kind of like meh. And what's interesting about today is that like, I'm nowhere near my period. Like I'm in the part that I usually feel fine and like good at, but I just feel this, like, I'm just tired, you know? And it's like, maybe I am just like physically like sleepy or whatever, but I, you know, like I didn't go to bed late or like nothing is super off. And I wonder like, is that fatigue, I guess? Like, do you have, do you just have days like that where you're just like, or for your clients or people like, do you have any, you know, thoughts on where something like that sort of in between would be? And I, again, different for everyone because we all experience these things differently, but I'm curious how you experience that. And if you do what you do in that space, lean into it, or is there a way to shift it? Yeah. Yeah. So in the fatigue space, I mean, yes, I have that all the time. And yeah, you might not be in your cycle right now, but it's the full moon's coming up on Saturday. So honestly, everyone's kind of feeling this um, because full moons are about releasing and like letting go and shining a light on everything that there is. And sometimes when you see everything you have to like go up and shift, it's overwhelming. And you just get exhausted. And I've definitely had days where... I mean, a lot of days where after sessions, I literally just lay down on my office floor and I don't even have the energy to go downstairs. I (laughs) I just lay and stare at the ceiling. Dude, Um, that makes so much sense. Your work is so intense. (laughs) Yeah, it's exhausting. And I mean, there's, there's two sides to it. So... I mean, it's obviously, it could be if you're having multiple burnout days like that, it means there's something in your life that's a little out of alignment. So for me, I I have a maximum number of sessions I can do a day because it physically takes a lot out of me. And I had been operating on that max capacity for a really long time because I became the sole provider of our household during COVID. So I was just like operating on max capacity the whole time and just exhausted every single day. So that's when I realized, okay, something needs to shift in my schedule. How do I make it so that I can go down to this many sessions a day where yes, I am capable of doing more, but I can make the choice if I have the energy that day to do the extra one or not. But when you're in that moment of fatigue, honestly, you're not going to want to do anything. Like you are not about ready to improve or self-help or you might not even want to like take a bubble bath or right. do anything that feels good. Sometimes you just want to like lay on the couch and watch crappy Netflix or something. And that's fine. Like you've got to let yourself have those days. And instead of fighting it, just yeah, lean into it and be like, okay, this is fatigue and I'm tired and I'm just going to let myself do whatever I want to do right now, even if that's laying on the ground and not moving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are so confident in the way that you speak and I feel so connected to you and your work. And I just have, I feel like I really trust you. I mean, part of that is because I have worked with you twice now and I already have a session booked for my night as soon as I can get off your (laughs) wait list to work with you again, because I've just, I really... I had no idea what I was getting into with you. I told you that the first session. I literally like still, to be honest with you, which is like half the reason why you're here, really don't even know what you do. (laughs) 
All I know is that I love it. And I think you're amazing. And my friend Camilla, who I trust and who has been on this podcast, just kind of said to me in passing, like, I think you should do this. It was helpful for me. And like, I, she said, she was saying it in like a very specific context about a specific situation I was talking to her about. And I just trusted it. I was like, okay, (laughs) like I'm pretty malleable. I don't know if that's my human design or what, but I was just like, okay. And I just had a good intuition about it, but I've never really gotten to learn exactly what it is that you do and how you help people because it's so interesting and it's so different than anything else I've experienced. You're an energy worker, but we're talking about, you know, your, we got into it with your perspective on these different, you know, depression, anxiety, and fatigue. But I'd love for you to, you know, what do you say when you describe how you work with people? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So it really is difficult because it is more of an experience. So it's it's hard to put into words. Yeah. But it is just kind of like tapping into your body and seeing what your body has to tell you. So it's like I become almost like the megaphone for your body. And there may be some things that we need to release so that you can get a clear perspective on something or make a clearer decision. But it's mainly just kind of going in and checking where there are any emotional blockages or physical blockages and getting those moving and letting them go so that you can have conscious control over your body uh, instead of being on autopilot with all these other subconscious programs running in the back of your head. Some people, I mean, I say energy healer because it's the easiest, it's the easiest thing because it incorporates a lot. I mean, I work with some body maps, but I've also had the the blessing of working with many different healers, including shamans, and just kind of learning from them and teaching each other our techniques and integrating that as well. So whatever each person needs will be different at the time. So I go into every session too, having no idea what is going to come out of it. And I still learn new things every single day. So I guess if I run through like the typical structure of a session is people come in and sometimes they have things they want to work on and sometimes they don't, but your body is always going to have a list of stuff for us to work on. So the way that I kind of find my way through this is I, I, my healing is based on the fact that your body knows what truth is. So when something's true, your energy is strong. And when something's not true, your energy is weak. And the way that I kind of go about testing the strength of the energy, I use muscle testing. So with your permission or their permission, I get connected to your energy and I use muscle testing to kind of see what comes up. And I always like to use uh, your immune system as our guide because your immune system is one of the most fickle systems in your body. So if there's any underlying imbalance, we'll measure the percent it's operating out of 100%. And if there's any underlying imbalance, that percentage will drop a lot. So a lot of people start off super low. And then we measure that again at the end of the session just to see uh, how much of a boost we were able to give you. But we go in and we see, I test where your immune system is, and then I test the things or the underlying reasons that it is that number. And we kind of go from there. And those could be so many things. They could be physical imbalances like adrenal fatigue or excess stress hormones or 
maybe a bacterial infection or a fungal infection, or they could be energetic too, like trapped emotion, something that's been stored in your body that you didn't really have time to feel or you didn't want to feel. That's kind of trying to get your attention. Or they could be cords with other people, other people kind of sending you some negative energy or taking from you. Or it could be walls that you've put up to kind of numb yourself and keep yourself from receiving full healing and joy. So we go through each of those and we release what needs to go to be released. And then we check in with your immune system again at the end and see where we got you to and see what you need to kind of integrate these practices moving forward. And sometimes the interesting thing about the sessions is you can receive energy differently. Different people feel energy differently. So you might've heard of the four clairs, um, like clairvoyant or clairsentient. And that's just some people, when they receive energy, they feel things. Some people hear things. Some people see things. It's been really weird. Some people even smell things. So when I'm working on a person, sometimes I will get their clair. So when I'm releasing something, I'll see an image Mm. and tell them what that is. Or I'll say like, this is where you feel it in your body. And that's helpful too, because then you're able to know the way you receive information uh, from your body and from the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I obviously love this. And I'm curious... I would love to see you every day. You know what I mean? Uh Like, I feel like there's so much that comes up just in like a 24 hour cycle of like, not just like, okay, my foot kind of hurts. Like, can we do a healing or like, you know, I think my immune system's a little bit down or like, it, it was a thought I had like recently I got sick and I, I was like, gosh, wish I had a session with you. You know, I think it was like right after my session with you or something. And I'm curious, how can we become because you know it's not sustainable for you or any of us to be able to see you daily like how can we become more in tune with our bodies and use some of these practices that you can do for someone else to ourselves like you gave me a really good tool for protection that at the end of our session because you know i had a lot of those cords you were mentioning and other people's energy and then i was about to be with I think my family or something and you were, and I was like, Oh no, am I going to undo all this clearing you just did on me? And you gave me this really great exercise. So is there anything like that, like on a daily basis that we can use to do this for ourselves essentially? Yes. So, so one of the things is when you do a session, I mean, what I'm doing is like 2%. (laughs) The remaining 98% is up to you. And the people who see the biggest results are the people who look back on the notes that I give you and actually listen to their bodies. So they set boundaries with the people they add cords with, or they decide to choose differently the next time this choice comes up. So they change their behavior based off of the information their body gave them. I've even had a woman who, oh my gosh, I saw her just for one session and she was like suicidal. She just wanted to end it all and to be done. And she was out of work and all of these terrible things. And I saw her again three months later. And from the moment she answered the the video, it was like she was a completely different person. 
And she was in this amazing relationship and she was moving to the Bay Area with her um, child and she had this new position that's higher than she'd ever been offered before. But that wasn't because of me. That was because of her listening to her body. So when it comes to things you can do kind of daily to help yourself out, what you've got to understand is you're not just helpless until some healer comes into your life and helps you. Uh, Your body actually has a lot of muscle memory and it doesn't just apply to lifting weights or things like that, but it also applies to emotions too. So once you become aware of something, uh, it's easier for you to have the choice the next time you're confronted with that thing. So let's say, for example, there's someone who had a trapped emotion of frustration towards their past partner, and it keeps getting triggered in their relationship now. And it was something they never told their past partner about or things like that. So now when it comes up in their relationship, they can either choose to get really frustrated the same way they did, or they can shift and communicate with their partner what's making them frustrated so that things can shift moving forward. Mm. So they have that option. I mean, the biggest way is just, it sounds so simple, but it's just listening to your body. Like your body will tell you if you are with someone who's has negative energy, you will feel it. So it will be like, get out of here. (laughs) And if you don't listen and you stay, you're going to feel that. Or if you go someplace that feels off, it's going to tell you as well. So it's about, I'd say the thing to help the most would just be taking some time each day to check in with your body and just be like, how do we feel right now today? How do I feel about my schedule today? Is there anything I need to cut out or add in? And even in the moment, like, how do I feel about this person, about this client, about this business partner and trusting it? Yeah. So much of that is slowing down, right? Like to be able to even do that. Yes. Slowing down in the moment. And that's like the biggest power that you have. I mean, a great way to do that is with your breath. And a great way to do that is also with Movement actually seems counterintuitive to the slowing down, but movement helps move the old energy out of your body. That's why a lot of times when people are working out, they'll just randomly cry if they don't know why. It's because all these emotions are moving out. So movement is a really great way as well to kind of slow down and check in and clear out. Well, it's anything that like maybe slowing down isn't the word. It's like anything that gets me present puts me into my body, right? It's like anytime I'm in the future, in the past or spiraling about something, I'm not in my body. I'm not present. I'm not here. And I think ultimately that's what it all comes down to is figuring out how I can be present more, like figuring out how, and nothing takes me out than rushing, you know, like, yeah then moving from thing to thing like it's it's space and i think i have been in periods where like i don't want to create space because then i have to feel my feelings and i can be afraid of that right like so it's like it's it's really interesting yeah and i mean talk about one of the best ways 
to actually be present and move things through. You just said it. It's feeling your feelings, not thinking them. So mm-hmm. our feelings are made to be experienced physically. They're made to be felt, not thought about. So a really good practice with that is I used to do this too, where I'd be sad and I'd say, okay, why am I sad? And I'd list out all the reasons I was sad. And I'd be like, well, that's a dumb reason. So I don't get to feel this sadness. I'm not going to let myself feel that. Or I'm angry. Why am I angry? And you start listing all the reasons and it just makes you more angry. So instead of thinking about an emotion, when you have an emotion like anger or something, say, okay, I feel anger coming up. And just sit with it and say, ask, what does anger physically feel like in my body? I'll be like, okay, my palms are sweaty. My chest is tight. My forehead is a little sore. And as you start physically feeling it, you'll feel it move through you. That's just a really good way to like be present with your body and move things through at the same time. You're so wise. I'm curious, how did you get into all of this? How did you get into the work that you're doing now? Did you grow up with this as part of your life? I'm curious what you were like, you know, as a kid. Where did you where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Oregon in like a teeny tiny town called Banks. It has one stoplight. Wow. <laughs> um, and we knew everyone's middle name in high school because oh my God. <laughs> it was so small. Wow. But yeah, this was I think it was always a part of my life. I wasn't necessarily leaning into it. I mean, man, it's a story. But I guess growing up when I was younger, the thing that I always remember is my mom would always talk about how she she used to clean houses, new construction houses, her and her friend would. And they'd take me along when I was a baby. And some houses they'd go in and I would just start screaming mm-hmm. for no reason. And they would just leave. Like they trusted me to read the energy of these places when I was a year old, (laughs) but it wasn't really encouraged in me. I mean, I think where it came from, my dad was actually a police officer for 30 years. And it was interesting with him because he would always have these experiences where he'd be out and about and be like, "Uh, I feel like I just need to go down this street and he'd catch a crime happening. I mean, it happened to me three times. We'd be driving to school and he'd be like, we're just going to take this way today. And I've been in the car with him three times when he's caught robberies. And it's not like our town (laughs) has a bunch of robberies. It's just like these feelings that he gets. And I don't think he'd ever acknowledge it as this like special gift, but I really feel like that's where that came from. Mm, And then I, everyone would just always ask me for advice like random people at school that I didn't even like (laughs) would ask me. And I just tell them like, this is how you know it's right. You'll feel it here. And this is what (sighs) it's going to feel like. And they'd be like, "Um, I don't feel that. Like, I don't get that. And I I just thought everybody had that. (laughs) So I didn't understand until like maybe college that I was kind of different, that that was a gift that not everybody shared or everybody was super tapped into, I guess. Yeah. And then the long way around of how I actually became a healer, I went to college all four years in a foreign country. And while I was in college, I I went to South Africa for an internship for a few months and lived there and just fell in love with the place. And then graduating from college, I came back to Oregon 
And I was supposed to be really happy because for the first time in four years, I was in the same place as my boyfriend at the time, all my family, but I was not. I was secretly <laughs> crying every single day. I'd like cry in the shower or driving home from work. Like I was just not happy. And then my body started yelling at me. So I got bronchitis every single month for six months straight. And it would last for two weeks at a time. And I saw 11 different doctors and no one could tell me what was going on. So mm. finally I got desperate and I was like, fine, I'll just see this woo-woo lady. I'll just try it out. And I went into that session being like, I'm going to prove her wrong, that this is a load of crap and this isn't true, even though I wanted her to help me. And just right off the bat, she identified something that was so true. She said, your body physically misses a place so much. It's making mm. you physically sick. And she's like, and she took out a map and she started testing. And she's like, have you ever been to South Africa? And I just like lost it. <laughs> um, she's like, why is it there? So I told my then boyfriend, he's my husband Was that now where you at went the to, time. Just where's the South Africa connection? That's where I had that internship where I like fell in love with the place. And it was oh, like my I soul see. home. What was the internship much. for? It was for international communication. So I was working with a nonprofit. I was actually super smart in school. Like I was valedictorian of my high school and my college. Wow. And I worked for like TED Talks in college and all these things. So there are all these big expectations of me to work with a big company. And that's not at all what ended up happening. So, I mean, I told my boyfriend at the time and we, we left. We, he was like, we have to go. So... I started my own company as a social media manager and we left and we went to South Africa for three months. And that was like six years ago. And I've never gotten bronchitis again since wow. that session. <laughs> it was crazy. So of course I kept doing more sessions with the woman and she was like, I think you're really good at this. So she taught me how, and I got certified and then I was just working and doing sessions with friends and family and keeping it really quiet for a couple of years until we were, I mean, we were kind of digital nomads at the time. So we went to Bali and I was like, I mean, I'll try it. So I just put up a Facebook post. I think I said, you know, I'm offering sessions while I'm here. And I was like, oh, no one's going to sign up. And I had 30 people sign up in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> And then I just made like a deal with the universe. I said, I'm going to do all of these sessions in my last 10 days here. And if one of them doesn't work, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. All of them were mind blowing. And then it just kind of exploded. I mean, I've never marketed myself or anything. It's all just been word of mouth. And now I'm here. <laughs> Wow. That's crazy. That's wild. Oh, I'm oh, I'm so happy it, it did and it led led you to this. What has been something that's surprised you about the the work that you've done that you know if you telling yourself from back then to now? I mean, I didn't know you could make money as a healer. <laughs> when when I was going to become a healer, I was like crap, I'm going to have to become a yoga teacher too, because that's what they all do. <laughs> that's how you support yourself. That's how you make money. 
And I thought, you know, I was really, my business as a social media manager was really successful. And it was really hard to give that up. But I'm making like triple what I made then. And I just, I don't know, I think there's all these stories that it can't be rewarding or, or it's not supposed to be this way. But it has supported me so much. And just the love that I feel from everyone has been incredible. So it's not just that I'm supporting this thing, but this thing is also fully supporting me, mm. which has been really special. I still have moments where I'm like, is this happening? Is this my life? Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's the way it should be when you're fully in your purpose. It should surprise you and blow your mind. Wow. That's really exciting. I want that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess I've had like bits of that of like when something's good, I'm like, I can't believe that this, that I like have these friends or get to live in this place or get to even doing this podcast. Like I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm almost shocked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when you're in your purpose, you you kind of just become this like channel for miracles, no matter what it is. And you have to remember that your gifts aren't only made for other people, they're also made for yourself too. So like also giving yourself your own gifts and seeing what comes of that is really special. I mean, it took it took a while for me because at the end of sessions, people would say these heartfelt thank yous and everything, but I wouldn't, I would just like brush it off. And now I actually take the time to like sit and let that hit me and feel what that feels like. Because yeah, you deserve to be filled up by what you do too. Yeah. Mm, I really love that. In one of your recent Instagram posts, you had written something that said, if you take what's meant for someone else, you will not have room for what's yours. Can you unpack that a little? Yeah. <laughs> so if you spend your whole life trying to live a life that isn't yours, you're filling up spaces in your life with not only what you don't want, but something that's meant for someone else. So say you're sitting in a job that you absolutely hate, but you feel like you have to do it, but you just hate it so much. So not only are you depriving yourself of what you really deserve, but you're also filling the spot for someone who that job is truly meant for. So they could be sitting around being like, man, why is this opportunity not coming? I'm so frustrated and all of these things. And it could be because you haven't opened the space up for them to go there yet. And yeah, I mean, if I had stuck with what I was doing before all of this, I would have been okay. But I wouldn't have had this life which is so much more rewarding and so much better. And it does come... I mean, it's the same with relationships too. If you're holding on to a relationship that isn't right, you aren't welcoming or opening the space for the one that is right. So your partner could be out, of there, could be out there being like, where is my person? I'm so frustrated. I'm dating all these people. I hate it. And it could be because you're staying with something that's not yours. And the same for the other person's partner too. So it takes a lot of courage, but if you know what you're striving for isn't yours, you have to let it go. You have to create the space for what is yours to come to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it's like that saying, what is meant for you will not pass you. Yeah, and there's a really good Rumi quote too. I think it's what you pursue is also pursuing you. Yes, yeah, what you seek is seeking you. Yes. Those are so comforting when I can believe that, which I often can't, you know, or often (laughs) I'm like not in a place where I really can feel like that's correct and true. But when I can, it feels so good. You know, there's a peacefulness to that. There's a not, there's a, a line from A Course in Miracles, I think, where they say, those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. And I've always liked. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with that deciding again. Like, don't wait for that outcome to decide what your life's going to be. If you, I mean, decide the partner that you want, decide the career that you want and put it Mm -hmm. down and go get that. Don't wait for something to magically happen. It's like once you start taking the steps, that's when the miracles happen. Right. Um, I always describe it. It's like you're trying to swim upstream and you're pursuing what's not yours. And it's just so hard and you don't understand why it's so hard and you're trying to force things and it's exhausting. But when you turn around and go the right way, it's like that current pushes you. And all of a sudden you're going downstream and all of these things are coming to you (laughs) way faster than you were ever prepared for. Yeah. So sometimes it's about turning around or just aiming yourself in the right direction. Yeah. And I think also, but there can be, to continue that metaphor, there can be blocks, right? In the river, or there can be like clogs in the stream. And I think that's kind of what your work does is like releases those ties or like blocks and, you know, illnesses or that, I guess, or like connections with someone. So like, for instance, if you feel a block or a tie or a connection to someone other than doing a session with you, are there ways to release that on your own when you feel blocked? So yes, when it comes to emotional blocks, I would apply the feeling your feelings thing we talked about before. When it comes to people that you feel blocked by or like a negative connection with, yeah, this is the hard thing, but this is when boundaries come into play. So to do that, everyone says, oh, set a boundary, but it's more, <laughs> more detailed than that. So like, if we break it down on how to do that, I always say, like, write down how the relationship currently feels. And then make a list of how you want the relationship to feel. And then in the middle, I mean, between how you want it to feel and how it actually feels, that's where resentment and taken for granted and frustration and all those emotions live. So what you've got to do is you've got to bridge the gap between how it is and what you want it to be. So you ask the question, what would it take for me to go from how this relationship is to where I want it to be. And that's your boundary. And then the last step that everyone forgets is you have to communicate that. Mm. So whether that's to yourself or to the other person, let's just take an example from my own life. (laughs) So my husband and I, I mean, in the beginning of our relationship, I was really frustrated because I felt like I was doing everything. Like, all the household chores and everything. And he wasn't doing anything. So 
I was feeling overwhelmed and overloaded and how I wanted to feel was like supported and held. So Mm. in between that, I had to ask him (laughs) to do things like, Hey, can you do the dishes today instead of me? Or can you take this out? Because he doesn't have that mindset of, Oh, this is what needs to be done around the house. I'm going to automatically do it. Like he didn't know that I was so frustrated, like angry. Everyone's angry washed the dishes before because they're like so mad. <laughs> at oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, I'm going to make it so clean that it's pristine. Like my uncle exactly. and I used to do that where we're like, we're going to make it pristine, like a little too clean. This is a... <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm just going to like be brownie about it the uh-huh. whole time. Yeah, yeah. And instead, when I started doing that, he's like, of course, and let me do this and that and this and that. But I was holding myself in that overwhelm because I wasn't opening up to him. So <laughs> you think you'll know your partner's reaction, but you you don't. So if there's something that's off, communicate it to them. And if they say, okay, yeah, I can shift and let's work on that, then great. And if they don't, then maybe you need to start thinking about this relationship a little more. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do and you've got to take it step by step. It's not going to be perfect. There's still things that I'm unwinding, but those are big ways that you can kind of unblock your own river. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Ana Luisa. And I'm so excited about this sponsor. I found out about this sustainable, fairly priced jewelry that's starting at just $39 from my friend Christine, who you might know if you've listened to the podcast or you know me. New jewelry collections are released every single Friday. I'm not someone who is super into jewelry, but I think I'm going to start because they sent me a couple pieces and I gave a couple pieces to my friends and it's been really fun to play around with and I think you might like it too. So it's Ana, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, Ana Luisa, and they have done us a favor where you can get 10% off all of their products. So go treat yourself and your friends and your family and use my code, let it out to get 10% off all products. I absolutely recommend them. They are a great brand making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. So check them out. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash let it out and use the code let it out at checkout. That's shop.analuisa.com. U-I-S-A dot com slash let it out and use the code let it out for 10% off. I really, really love this brand and I think you will too. Check them out. Sustainable, barely priced jewelry starting at $39. Ana Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Use the code let it out for 10% off all of their beautiful, fun jewelry. Another thing that we talked about together about releasing is people pleasing. Mm. And you said people pleasing is the quickest path to loneliness. Can you talk about that? Yeah. If you're trying to please someone else, you're trying to be what they would want you to be, right? But you don't, you can't read minds (laughs) as much as you may want to. You can't. So, I mean, there will be a time when you do fall short because it's not who you really are. 
So they will be disappointed in you and you will be disappointed in yourself. But what's people pleasing is coming from is kind of your ego. It's it's wanting people to love you, right? But yeah, people can't love you if they're loving this version of yourself you've created to please them. The only way people can love you is if you be you, <laughs> who you yeah. actually are. So if you're trying to please all these other people and creating all these other identities, sure, people may love that person, but they're never going to love you because you're not showing them you. So it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability. But if you want to be loved for who you are, you have to be who you are. Right. Yeah, I, I think I, I've, I've spoken about that in here before too, where it's like, we all want to be seen. That's intimate intimacy right like we all want to be seen and loved for who we really are but we are afraid of being seen for who we really are and not loved so we just wear masks and like try to become this for essentially people pleasing version of ourselves that's more palatable but then no one sees you at all and then we just feel lonely right and like the opposite of intimacy and i think that's what i still do most of the time you know like because I would rather be in this like, you know, middle space that's like not overly offensive or like not going to make waves than to make waves and be, you know, very hurt by that. Where, you know, what I ultimately want is to be seen and myself, you know, and connected. But it's, um, you know, but that's scary because it might go the other way. So instead of risking that, we're just in this middle place. Yeah. And that's that numb place where it's like, yeah, you're not feeling the bad, but you're also not feeling the good either. And it's, yeah. it's numbing your sense of self too. So, I mean, it does take a lot of courage because loving you for who you are means you've got to show people your mistakes too. You have to make mistakes in front of people. And that's really scary for a lot of people to do. (laughs) But if you want that full satisfaction and you do want to be loved, you have to do it. You do. And if it, if it helps, you can think of, you know, okay, so what am I most afraid of happening? It's the fear thing again, right? So what am I most afraid of happening? Like I make a mistake and someone sees me make that mistake and they just leave me. Mm-hmm. And instead of stopping there, say, okay, if that happens, then what? Like what comes after that? Yeah. No one sees what comes after the failure, you know? So if someone leaves me, then I'll be left with myself. And then what? <laughs> Just keep asking and then what? And then what? And then what? Until you can see that even if the worst case scenario happens, you're still going to be there. Right. Yeah. And that's why that like self-love is so important because whether you like it or not, you get to witness every single one of your mistakes (laughs) and every single one of your successes. But like you are the person who is always going to be there and your body is always going to be there for you through it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And that's so tough. I mean, can you talk about that? Because you have this practice in developing it for yourself and in sort of three steps that I I wrote down, which is admitting how you're feeling, telling yourself it's okay to feel that, and then saying it, which 
you know, it's like that is so challenging on a good day. And then when you're feeling shame or embarrassment or when you do make a mistake, it's, it's, you know, on another level. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is don't have emotions about your emotions. Mm, So what do you mean by that? I mean, shame is a good example, right? It's one that we put, it's like a layering emotion. So I'm sad. And I'm ashamed that I'm sad because it doesn't feel right to feel sad in this scenario. Or I'm feeling angry, but it doesn't feel right for me to feel angry. It's not justified. So I'm going to put unworthiness on top of that. Like I'm not worthy of feeling this anger. And then you're just laying there under this heavy pile of emotions and you don't know which one's which. So, I mean, if we go back to depression, that's a really good example. A lot of times... I mean, I have dealt with depression a lot when I was younger and even sometimes now too. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not like you're living your life great and depression just disappears. Sometimes it shows up out of nowhere. And it's really easy when it comes back to be like, oh my gosh, all this work I've been doing all of these years was for nothing. I'm right back to where I started. I've gone backwards, but it's not true. You can just sit there and be like, I'm feeling really depressed today or I'm laying on the floor and I don't want to get up. And I still love myself. You can be frustrated at yourself and all of those things, but you can still love yourself too. It sounds cheesy, but (laughs) it's like the most powerful thing. It's like, I'm going to be depressed today and I'm going to love myself too. Because loving yourself doesn't mean like forcing yourself to be happy or joyful or get over it or do all these self-care things to distract yourself and cover it up. It means like seeing yourself at your worst and being like, okay, this is where we are We are today. And I'm going to be here with you through it. And it's okay. Right. And it's a lot easier to come back from that place, you know, than to be in the, the, the shame spiral of, you know, when I can do something that's a pattern that I don't want to be doing and say like, very quickly pivot and say, Oh man, you just did that. Your old thing again. That's okay. You're trying, you know, like a silly example of that is I like pick my face so badly and I know it always makes it worse. And that sense of me regretting that and being mean to myself about that isn't going to make it go away or me not do it next time actually at all. (laughs) And the sooner that the shame can dissipate or you can feel feeling less alone in the shame, like Brene Brown says that, right? If shame can't exist when it's shared, that's why friendship is so important or even admitting it to yourself or someone's safe. And then, you know, that worst case scenario practice of you, like my friend Lacey gave me a, a similar exercise, you know, of like, fear setting, I think it is, right? Like writing out mm-hmm. all of your fears and like taking it through the worst case scenario And then, you know, when I do that, I'm like, okay, my worst fear is, okay, well, I lose all my money and then I would do this and then I would do this and then I would do this. And it's like, all right, well, you're resourceful. You'll figure it out. It wouldn't be what you would prefer, but it's okay. And I think there's like a sadness to that too. It's like, well, man, I wish it had gone a different way. Like, where are you on that, on regret, on wishing something had been different than it was? I mean, I'm all for it. And honestly, it's, a part of the healing journey. So it's like 
inevitable that when people start, there's like this cycle they go through in the first session. They're like, Oh, I feel so free and amazing and things like that. And then we start going deeper. And then there's this deep period of mourning because it's like, wow, I could have been this person this whole time. And it's mourning all this time that you lost not being the best version of yourself. That's fine. Mourn that. That's an emotion too. feel that you do deserve to feel that that's completely rational. And I think when it comes to healing too, and like talking about, you know, when you make a mistake, and then you're just going to beat yourself up for the mistake. The difference between like love and judgment, giving yourself love versus giving yourself judgment. And it sounds cheesy, but the only emotion with a healing vibration is love. So that's the only thing that's going to get you out of that scenario. And judgment is the withholding of love from yourself. Yeah. So maybe you do the judgment first and you fall back in. Don't judge yourself for judging yourself. You know, just be like, okay. I totally judged myself there. Yeah. That's fine. Like, I love you. You judged yourself. You made this mistake and I love you. Mm-hmm. There's this idea that it's so conditional that if we make mistakes, we don't deserve love or it's not okay. So you've got to start with yourself and make the mistake and give yourself love anyways and feel shame and give yourself love anyways. I think it really starts there. And then when it comes to the fears, like you were talking about as well, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about you can't have creativity without fear. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to come here to this world to create, which is kind of what we've all come here to do in some capacity, fear comes along with that. So the way I describe it is it's like the difference between someone crashing a party and them being invited. Mm. Like how they're going to enter that room is very different. So if your fear is not invited to the party, you know it's going to show up anyways. It's going to come in and just like kick things down and knock tables over and just make a huge dramatic entrance and mess, right? Right. But if you know the fear is going to be there anyways, just send it an invitation. And how it's going to enter that room will be very different. So it's also developing your relationship with fear too. Mm. Yeah, I think someone told me that I think I heard this in a 12-step meeting once of we can only love others at the level we love ourselves. You know what I mean? Which is like so infuriating, but true. And I think we can only like forgive others at the level we forgive ourselves. We can only like trust. And and that really hit me hard because I was like, oh man, I'm, you know, not that I'm the most altruistic person in the world, but I'm like, I that if that's true, then and I want to be a better person, then I have to apply some of this over in this area, you know, where does that come into your work? You know, because I think a lot of like popular spirituality or concepts about meditation or not meditation, but manifestation or personal growth that in wellness content, really self-care is so self-focused and self-care is great, but community care, I think is, you know, where we've all shifted more recently in the last, you know, what's gone on in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. And 
I think what a lot of that content misses or most recently doesn't miss, but puts in in a very performative way where I think some areas it, it needs to be baked in, right? Like service, like helping other people, not thinking of yourself all the time is actually how we help our mental health. You know, like nothing gets me out of my own head than by helping another person, right? Or listening or in not in an altruistic way, just knowing that that's, I, I believe, how we're wired. So how does that play into your work? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh. I have so many things to say about the the self-love world. Oh my gosh. I'm definitely not one of those like love and light healers. (laughs) Um, Totally. I know that, which is why I'm like so in. (laughs) Yeah. The thing that frustrates me... So I'll tell you something. So great. the people I like working with the most are the messy ones. (laughs) So the ones that come in... Oh, great. No wonder you like me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Well... My pet peeve is people who come in and they're like, oh, I'm so spiritual. I have this all unlocked. I meditate for four hours a day. Oftentimes, like those people are the people who are the most disconnected from their body. And the people that come in and are like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what this is. Honestly, I think you're kind of weird. I'm pretty skeptical of this. I'm like, (laughs) yes. Great. Perfect. That's exactly where I want you to be. That's so um, funny. That's that's really, really funny. And I um, deeply relate to the latter. <laughs> I think yeah. I was like I mean, in my car and it was raining and I was yeah. like, um, <laughs> I'm yeah. here. So many people do it in their cars. Someone did it in like a Target parking lot once. I just think, I think it's hilarious. But yeah, you don't have to be like surrounded by all your crystals and everything. But so... I guess getting back to like the self, the self love piece. There's a couple, a couple things that I do have issues with. So one of them is this idea, like you were saying, you know, we can only love other people to the amount we love ourselves. Yes, that's true. But some people have taken that and said, I don't deserve to be in a loving relationship until I'm healed and perfect. Mm -hmm. And I love myself and all my issues are gone. No, like you deserve to be in a relationship while you're still figuring your shit out and you're still figuring out how to love yourself. It's not like, oh, I have to be single for a year and I'll figure everything out and then my relationship will come. No, you don't use healing as a way to earn something or someone. It's for you and that's it. So, but the other piece of that I would say is self-care is community care because you are a member of the community so if you want to give something to other people give it to yourself first so if you want to make your friends feel heard hear yourself make sure you're feeling heard if you want to give someone service or help them help yourself as well there is a whole concept that kind of goes into this it's called sacred selfishness. And it's this idea that humans are tribal animals. So we're actually genetically programmed so that the thing we want the most is actually what has the biggest impact on the community. So you've just got to balance it and make sure you're not going the other way and being like, what do other people want from me? 
or how can I help other people the most and starting there, start with yourself, get that self-awareness and be like, what do I actually want the most? And what will the, would the world look like if I went and did that thing? Mm-hmm. And there's also tons of experiences where you can't do the work for other people. It's so frustrating, but you can't. So I've had people where, you know, we do a session and then had someone email me afterwards and be like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to my dad in eight years. And we just had a four hour conversation yesterday. Thank you so much. You helped so much. And I look back over their notes and I'm like, we didn't talk about your dad at all. <laughs> yeah. But it's like your healing affects so many other people around you. So you are kind of the best place to start. Yeah. And I think like going back to what we were talking about with, you know, when you're not rushing, when you're present, when you're there, that's when you can move through something and and feel something. And I think ultimately that's a managed nervous system, you know, and like, that's what's so cool and attractive is someone who's present and able to, you know, spend time with someone else and actually be there and not in the anxiety of what's next or the past. And that serves the group, you know, like that is community care. Yeah. Shining your light calls other people to their own because they're like, wow, if you had that in you the whole time, I wonder what I have. Yeah, It's just, it's like that little spark that spreads. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is a delight. You're so wise and I'm so happy to know you and could talk to you forever. I'm going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah. Just say the the first thing. Fire away. You are so wise. I'm wondering if there was like a a mindset shift or a piece of advice that, that helped you either recently or at some point that sticks out to you. I think the biggest thing for me my whole life has been integrity. It's something that came from my dad. And his definition was, it's what you do when everyone's watching. But my definition is also, it's what you do when no one is watching. (laughs) So it's like being who you are all the way through. Mm. What do they, your family, like what do they think about your work? (laughs) Well, (laughs) my dad will probably never, ever do a session with me. Because he's too freaked out. He thinks it's too woo-woo. Like he's Mm -hmm. proud of me, but he'll never do a session. My mom is highly religious. And that's something I worked a lot of my childhood to get out of. So I have a deep spirituality and she has a deep religion. So sometimes the paths cross, but not too much. My in-laws are all about it. (laughs) They love it. Love that. Um, I think my family's just a little scared for their things to be aired out fully. Yeah. And for me to be the one that says it, it would be very triggering for some yeah, of them. Yeah, of course. That's a saying, right? Like you can't be a prophet in your hometown. Mm, that's a great saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very accurate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That had to be hard to, to move through for you. And, but also you know, maybe 
it's interesting that you like come and makes it more potent that you had to figure this out all on your own. Yeah, because it came from me and not them in a way. So I know that it's mine, I guess. Right. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious how you spend your days. Like, how do you, you know, obviously you have, it's different depending on whether you're doing sessions or not, but, you know, through the pandemic or, or out of the pandemic, what does a, what does a typical day look like? What do you do in the mornings and the, the evenings? Tell me everything. I have a morning routine where I get up and I will, I will break a myth for you. <laughs> or I'll bust a myth because I'm not perfect. The first thing I do is look at my phone, (laughs) which I know you're not supposed to do, but I like because sometimes it has like, there's last minute shifts to my sessions or whatever. I just get to know what my day is going to look like. And then I come in and I meditate. And every morning I read uh, my manifestation script. So that thing I was writing about deciding kind of how I want my life to be. And then I take my dog on a little walk and we get outside. And then I come back and drink some lemon water to kind of set my stomach up for the day. I tap into like my altars and set up any crystals that it feels right for the clients I'm going to have that day. And then I do sessions with each client. And I usually do about three a day. If I do four, I am puking and on the couch and can't move for the next three days. Mm. So usually about three a day. And then if I do three sessions in a day, I'm pretty fried. So in the evenings, I'm usually like prone on the couch, but try and make like a yummy dinner and always end the day with some chocolate. And of course, there's a workout somewhere in there, but it just depends on the time Mm -hmm. I'm feeling. And then on my days off, I spend a lot of time in nature and do like a ceremony, a cacao ceremony for myself and just check in with my body and my guides for anything that I need, just kind of refilling my cup up. Mm, Yeah. What's your greatest lesson on creativity? Ooh, that if you try and make creativity consistent, you'll stifle it because Mm. creativity is about the sparks and being spontaneous and following the inspiration when it comes. If you try to force it, it's going to hide. (laughs) Yeah, so true. Allowing that. Greatest lesson on romantic love, romantic relationships. What have you learned from that? You got to say the truth 100% of the time, because if you're not saying it, they're probably already feeling it. And sometimes speaking the truth, it just is the biggest relief in the world. So being 100% honest. Yeah. We talk a lot about body image and, you know, having a bad body image day. I'm curious, like in your sessions, like we, you talk a lot about getting in your body and feeling your feelings and your emotions. I'm curious about like physical beauty or feeling, we call like a bad body image day. Like how do you help people or help yourself if that's ever been a thing for you to, you know, sometimes I'm just like, everything would be better if I just looked different. You know what I mean? Which I know isn't actually true. And I have looked, you know, slightly different here and there and 
haven't felt that much different. So I know that intellectually, but it can feel so intense. I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd say a couple of things for that. So if you're having a bad body image day, focus on the feels. Like, don't focus on how you want to look, focus on how you want to feel and what you can do that will give you that feeling. And then the other thing I'd say is I have felt the most beautiful when I'm completely in my element and in my alignment. So like no makeup on at a beach (laughs) is when I always feel the most beautiful. I just, I think pictures of me on an Island, I'm more pretty, like just all of these things. So it's like, you know, identify times when you have felt your most beautiful and maybe what's like stealing that from you right now, whether it's like doing something you don't want to be doing or um, trying to trying to like run five miles when you hate running, you are not going to feel <laughs> pretty at all doing that. But maybe you love to dance. And so like going where your joy is, because that's where you'll find your beauty as well. I think in one of our sessions, you said that there was a block or something that's that was stealing beauty or do you know what I'm talking about? It was like a collar. Yes. Collarbone. Oh, collarbone. Yeah. That 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 was a cord, right? I see. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something, can you explain that? Yeah. So when you have a cord in a specific part of your body, each part of your body is very symbolic. So your collarbone symbolizes your beauty. So when someone else is courting to you, trying to take your beauty or borrow your beauty because they don't see it in themselves, you'll probably feel really not beautiful around that person or really drained around that person. Or when you are courting to someone or something else to try and get beauty from there, you're never going to find it because it doesn't come from anything outside of you. It's something that comes from within. And that's the thing with your beauty is it's always there. It's just about whether you see it or not that day. (laughs) So there are days when I feel very not beautiful and that's fine. That's the whole, like, I feel nasty today and I love you (laughs) still. And maybe tomorrow will be better, but the days you are feeling beautiful, just own it. And like, instead of passing back compliments when they come to you, Like, oh, someone says, oh, I love your hair. And you just say, oh, I love your shoes. Passing it right back. Just say thank you, period. Mm -hmm. Receive it. Oh, it's so hard to do that, right? (laughs) Yes. All of these things are so hard to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's the courage. It's the courage. But even if you choose to do it one time, a lot of things can start shifting. Mm -hmm. So it's not about doing everything all the time. It's just about when it comes to your awareness and you have that choice, what do you choose in that moment? What do you think about death, about what happens when we die? God, you know, you grew up, I'm assuming with your mom's religion. Yeah. I mean, shifted and where are you with it now? So I grew up Mormon. Oh, wow. For me was the worst. (laughs) possible religion to grow up in because I mean, different people have different experiences with it, but it was definitely not mine because what I was taught and got ingrained in me was 
you can try as hard as you can and you have to try as hard as you can. But at the end of the day, you're always going to come up short. And that's why Christ exists to atone for our sins. So the view I had of God growing up was as this like man who was very judgmental. And I always felt scared of and never really connected to. So what I feel more connected to now is like the universe, which is a lot more encompassing. And even growing up in the religion, I would get in trouble for asking certain questions. Questions like, well, if God is a man, then who created God? Or like, how did God get here? (laughs) And I was asking that when I was like super young and I would get kicked out of class for asking (laughs) those questions. So, yeah, I mean, I believe in the universe and I definitely think there's something after death because the way energy works is it, it can't be created or destroyed. It just kind of transforms. And after all the work I've done in sessions with people and all the things I felt, you can still have cords. New cords can even be created with people who are dead and they don't, they're not always unhealthy. A lot of times they're healthy and your connection to your ancestral line is huge as well. And you can have people who are supporting you from the other side. So there have just been too many things for me to believe that it ends with death, like too many signs that that is not the case. And it's really special when those come through to witness that and be a part of that with the person who's there. Yeah. Have you done that? Have you been there? (laughs) And the tears always come. Um, a lot of times it's, it's an inherited emotion. And when we're able to release that inherited emotion all the way up the family line and do work for everyone there, but we don't do it before we talk to that ancestor and we see why, you know, why it it happened in the first place, um, where the emotion came from and get an understanding. It's really special. Yeah, those are, I don't cry much in sessions, but if that comes up, the tears are usually going to flow. Yeah. Wow. What's your relationship to social media and, you know, our phones, technology? How do you handle that? And where, where are you with it? Yeah. So, I mean, I was a social media manager before all of this. So It is a great way to connect people. But my big thing, even as a social media manager, was always like, let me get these brands and these people back to their genuine selves. So not about how many times a day I post or when's the optimal time to post. It's like, who are you and what feels right to you? So there are times when I inadvertently just go on social media cleanses because I can't handle it right now. And my whole thing is, don't say something unless you have something to say. Don't just add to the noise. So of course I do social media posts, but I only do them when when it feels right to speak or when I have something to say. If I don't have anything to say for three months at a time, I'm not going to post anything until it comes. So I'm not going to just try not to force it. Yeah. God, that's so comforting. And that's such a that's a great philosophy. I believe everything is everything, right? You know, like that's a great philosophy for life, but one that's not supported by capitalism and one that's not supported by the goddamn algorithm, you know? (laughs) And I do, but you know, that is the opposite of consistency and that is consistency is rewarded in 
that space in particular in a lot of spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's ironic because if like we go back to my social media management days, the results when they would come through, it was not from posting at a designated time every week or all of these things or just saying random stuff. It was actually people got way higher numbers and better results when they were posting from who they really were. So it's ironic, but it's it's a whole ego thing. Again, like you'll get better results if you pretend to be someone else. When actually people respond really well to truth because truth isn't just something you see or hear, you can feel it. So you can feel when someone's being honest or genuine. And I mean, my social media page, like I don't even know how many followers I have. Not that many. You don't have to be have a bunch of followers to be successful. Like maybe I have 200. My gosh, it's so low. But I'm booked out until December right, of this right. year. So I don't care. Like I just use it as a platform to share with people. And I don't really care about the numbers anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a similar I have a similar situation with it where numbers, I guess, of like I started just like massively losing followers. Like I don't mm. know why, but it's been like pretty consistently down. And yeah. you know, I can laugh about it now, but like it doesn't feel great. You know, like it's not my favorite mm-hmm. thing to see that number be one way and then go down, you know, and it's hard to now I've like made it a joke and like talk about shame. Like I, you know, I laugh about it and I like tell all my friends yeah. and it's like not a problem really, but like ultimately it sort of is because it's connected to how I make money in a way. And it's connected to, you know, if I can keep doing this, this thing that I enjoy doing, you know, in in a, in a small mm-hmm. way, but it's also out of my control. So I think when you can just try to yeah. not think about the parts that aren't working or not think about the number or, you know, it's obviously better, but it's really hard to keep going when something just kind of little shakes you. Right. And I, and I, and I'm also really aware of like the opposite of that, where something so little can give me enough dopamine or energy (laughs) to, keep going and I can be almost high. I think like that's what I was talking about with the fatigue of like, I'm wondering if it's just from, you know, not having that push where there are times where like, I haven't slept at all and I am hungover or I'm like, you know, sleep deprived or dehydrated, but yet like someone was nice to me or I have a crush on someone or I have like, I get a good email or I'm excited about someone I'm interviewing or I get like external validation and I can be, you know, propelled by that for days. (laughs) And it's like, both of those extremes are so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, what I would say is, (laughs) this is going to sound ridiculous, but congratulations for losing followers because in order to lose the follower, unless they're a bot, that person has to go in go to your profile and hit the unfollow button. So that means that you are saying something that people are having such strong reactions to that it's causing that. And it doesn't always mean you're saying something bad. It goes back to that whole thing again. If you take what's meant for someone else, you won't have room for what's yours. So as these people leave, just be like, yeah, they didn't agree with me. And it's just going to magnetize more people who do. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing is like, I'm not really saying anything. It's just me, you know? <laughs> and that's the yeah. part that's like, oh man. And and I was just having this conversation. Very vulnerable. Uh, yeah, totally. And I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine and we started our right before this and we started our podcasts at the same time, you know, nearly a decade ago. And she was like, what's interesting for you is that like we started at the same time and but I'm still doing what I was doing at the beginning where you're not like, you're not talking about the same things you, she started when she was 32 and I started when I was 22. And I think I changed so much in those years and, you know, she did as well, but she was like, I was more, you know, I was doing basically this from the beginning where I think a lot of your audience left because you're not talking about wellness anymore and you're not, you know, the, yeah. the topic has changed and or morphed in, in some way. And, you know, I think it's just understanding that that's okay, but also like, it's not, you know, you're not starting at zero and you're not. Yeah. But also feeling the feeling of being disappointed when it happens. Cause it's yeah. true. just don't pretend you're not disappointed when it happens. Yeah. Don't pretend not to be excited when you do get a win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. True. But that's where the whole like deciding comes in. So like decide before who you want to be and how you want to make people feel instead of letting like the likes decide that for you or waiting for them to decide that for you. Yeah. What happens when you feel like you're seeing patterns in your life? Like you, like I'm having a feeling now where I feel like I, I kind of know what I need or know what my issues are, but I'm like still stuck, you know, like, is there anything that you do to push yourself forward? Yeah. You almost, that's the time when it's time to slow down. Mm. <laughs> so if you're seeing the pattern, I would literally just like write it out or be like, okay, what is this pattern? And then ask, just ask yourself, where did this pattern come from? And don't try and guess or fill in the blanks, but just let the first thing that comes to your mind come in. And it might be a memory. It might be something else, but like who taught me this pattern? Who or what taught me this pattern? And then if you can go back to that moment, be like, okay, so I developed this pattern as a way to you know, cope with that thing or that person, is this still true? Is this still helping me? Yeah. And if it's not, you're like, okay, I'm going to let it go. And then don't just say, I'm going to let it go. It's that's the whole, you know, love and light thing too, where a lot of people are like, I'm going to write down all my old patterns and I'm going to burn them. Like that's the fancy thing to do now is just fire everything. burn it. <laughs> but what happens after? Like you haven't filled in the blanks. So that pattern's just going to come back. So after you let go of the pattern, say, what do I want to do instead moving forward? So that in the moment, you've already made the decision and you have a game plan. Yeah, that's so interesting because yeah. I, I feel like what I was saying about not what you were saying, what how did you say it of like, not doing it when you don't have something to say? I feel like I do have things to say, but I haven't like, had enough space to say them, you know, like figure out how I want to say them. And I'm very slow doing everything in my life, you know, so that they both really connect. Yeah. And that's, 
that's like just giving yourself this time to process and knowing how you process. Like for me, sometimes I feel things before my brain catches up and my partner will always catch it. He'll be like, you seem off today. Like what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I'll be like, I don't know. I literally have to shut myself in a room and just sit there and like wait for myself, for my brain to arrive and be Mm. like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. And this is what it feels like. And this is where it's coming from. And then I go back and communicate that to him. But just honor the way you process because everyone does it differently. And like, yeah, maybe for you, you need to have like a word vomit vent, you know, where like, before you record the video, you do a pre-video where you say everything. And then your second take is cleaner because you've already said what you needed to say. Right. You know, or the extra bits. Right. Wow. I love you. You're so good and wise and have this really calm, nurturing presence. And yeah, you're you're really great. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm I'm letting that sink in, but then I will give you a compliment back. <laughs> not me and boyfriend. No, but please you are... don't. Please don't. <laughs> I just admire how open you are and your courage and your courage to like dive into these things and diving into these things in yourself too. And just your curiosity to go about, you know, searching through where did this come from? That takes a lot of courage as well. And just being in this time of transformation. It's a big deal. It's it's very exciting. And one day you'll look back on it and be like, wow, if my future self could have shown up right now and she could tell me what's coming, this would all be worth it. I'd be so ready and so down. That's yeah. so nice. You're so great. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So is there anything else that you want to let out that you wish that I would have asked you? Do you want to recommend anything, book or movie or food or place or idea? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think. Hmm. Just going with that theme of letting it out, like processing things out. Don't just try and process everything in your own head, you know? have Mm -hmm. a way to actually, like you said, like let it out. So whether that's journaling for you or movement or anything, like find a way to express these things instead of trying to sort through everything in your own mind. It will make things a lot clearer and a lot easier (laughs) to move through. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) All right. Well, you're the best. Those are really, really great questions. Thank you. I could tell how thoughtful you were into all of them. So thank you for all the time you took like preparing this. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And I'm, I'm so happy that people are going to get to, you know, learn more about you and experience your work. And I'm just so grateful that you were here. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I really do appreciate it. And it was so fun to connect with you and to like experience your magic a little bit more too. Oh, that's so, that's so, so nice. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited for people to experience your work and I'll, I'll have all of that, you know, in the outro and the, in the intro, but we end taking a deep breath together. So inhale, let it out. (sighs) Always feels a little bit better. Thank you so so much, Jessica. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Katie. Well, sending you so much love. 
Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend who you think would also benefit from listening to it. And this is an independent podcast. So if you want to support the show, support the sponsors, it helps so much. If you want to learn more about me and my work, the links to all of that are in the show notes. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, I will still let people in for the extension of this podcast, the membership workshop, group workshop that lasts for four months. It just began last week. So if you still want to join, you still can just send me an email, katie at letitoutwith3ts.com and all the info for that. If you want to get an email from me about once a week or so with show notes and a essay from me and links and more, sign up. The Let It Out Letter link will also be in the show notes. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and it brings you insight or understanding something new or you just laugh or enjoy it in any way and you want to leave a review on iTunes, it helps so much. But also just sharing it and being here means so much to me. I would love to stay in touch with you on Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebout and the podcast has an Instagram too that I also run (laughs) and it's let it out with three teeth. So I would love to hear from you there. And I'm just so grateful that you're here to let Jessica and I know that you're listening all the way to the end. Follow her as well and give us an emoji, dealer's choice, whatever emoji that you want to show us this week. I would love to know that you were here and have a little secret code. Love you so much. So grateful that I get to do this podcast and meet interesting people like Jessica and maybe introduce them to you or highlight them in some way. And I will talk to you next week with a fresh, brand new episode. Bye.